You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Well, Ridgecrest, it is good to see you. I wish you could be here in this room because... I I was just having a little party over here to the side. What a great, great time of worship. I hope that you've been by your fireplace or close to a heater of some sort, staying warm, but worshiping the Lord and singing along with us. It's been a great morning. I uh, really hate it when we have to call it like this, and the weather right now is starting to get really bad. We would have had everybody get here safe, and then it would have been a little bit hard to get home, and I'm so thankful for the team that's here to make this possible, and so Pray for all of us as we head home. I'm sure we'll be fine, but uh, pray for us as we head home in a little bit that we'll stay safe in this very cold and very snowy weather. But here it is on Valentine's Day, and this is an opportunity for us to discuss the look of true love. This is a topic that we need on more than just Valentine's Day, church. We need this topic every day. And if you have your copy of Scripture, I'm going to ask that you turn to James chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verses 19 through 21. And these three verses are powerful reminders of the love that God has for us and, quite frankly, how we can have practical expressions of that love. It's one thing to know a definition of love, but it's so much better when we live it. And so... I don't know. Why don't we do this? You've probably been sitting down there on your couch or in your chair. Why don't you stand with me right now and, and work, work it out a little bit so you don't fall asleep during this sermon, okay? Stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's Word. Listen to these verses. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Let's pray. God, we know that this word that we're hearing today can save souls Lord, I pray that those who are listening right now, whatever distractions surround them, and I know at home there can be many, I pray, Lord, that you will give us ears to hear. I pray that you will give us about 30 minutes here to focus intently on your word and hear a message, not from a man, but a message from up above. God, please allow your righteousness to flow into our hearts and to fill us with love. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, go ahead and be seated wherever you are. And know this, Jesus loves you. Isn't that the most basic message that we preach? That's what the the Bible teaches us, and it's something we can cherish. We know that Jesus loves us because he saved us, and he saved us by dying on the cross. So the perfect look of love is the cross. If we're trying to define what love is, we need to look no further than the cross. Here, this pulpit right in front of me is a cross. Behind me, which you can't see in the camera shot, is a cross up in the baptistry. We believe in the power of the cross. We know that that symbol represents love. 
But I want you to think about this. I know that many of us, we, we have been following Christ. We've been Christ followers for many years. And once we receive the perfect love of the cross, it is true that the love of Christ should reflect from us more and more each day. I want you to think about this little statement here. Maybe you can jot it down in your notes. Salvation happens in a moment of time and then works its way out in our lives with every moment that we have left. Now, I want you to realize that that salvation, according to the scriptures, happens in a moment where the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and opens your heart to the beautiful word of God, the truth that Jesus died for you. That's an awesome moment. But in every other moment that God gives you in this world, you need to be growing in that love. It is a powerful thing to think about the love of Jesus and how it saves us. But we need to have the look of true love growing stronger every day. Christian, I don't want you to ever think that you have arrived at the love of God, but I want you to be thinking more in terms of, am I moving toward that perfect love? Is my love for Jesus and my love for others stronger today than it was yesterday? You see, the Christian look of love is not a static love. It is an evolving and and growing sort of love. And on this day that we call Valentine's Day, a day set aside for love, Should we not know more of that love? Now, as we've been going through the epistle of James, one of the things we're learning is is that James is very practical. His job, it seems, is to give us the basics of what the Christian life should look like. That's a practical thing. But when we think about a word like love, uh, that's more of an emotive word. We don't think of love as practical. And I'm going to tell you, many times it's not. Emotions are messy. But when we come to James's epistle, what we see is is that there are practical expressions of that love. And, And let me go out on a limb here and say that the most practical need in the church today is for church members to have the true look of love. We need love in the church today because the world is in desperate need of love. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend the majority of our time together this morning looking at the look of love. I want to describe this to you as we focus on verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20 give us the look of love, and then we're going to come back and apply in verse 21 how that works its way out. Some of those practical applications we'll find in verse 21. Now, as we begin to look at love, I want to put a word out there for you, and maybe a word picture. Now, in, in cycling, there's a word they use. Also, they use it in, in running. If you're a runner or a cyclist, you'll recognize the term cadence. Cadence. Now, cadence is just pace. Now, I want you to look for just a moment at the text with me and notice this in verse 19. Notice the words quick and slow. Notice we're to be quick to hear and slow to speak and then also slow to anger. So, The text is giving us a picture of speed. Not too fast, not too slow. There are certain things that need to be slow, certain things that need to be fast. So I'm talking about cadence. If you're a bicyclist, you know that that one of the things you do, like 
when I was growing up, you just had a bicycle and you had pedals, just flat pedals. But when you have fancy bicycles today, you actually have shoes that lock into the pedals so that you're getting that momentum on the upswing, uh, just like you're getting it when you push down. Well, when I think about the Christian life, there's all these elements at play. We need to be thinking about the proper speed. We need to make sure that our lives are focusing on the Lord and that we're going at that cadence that is most Christ-like. If you want to see Christ-like cadence, look at the text here. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'm going to tell you, anger is a beast. It is hard to contain. It's like a hungry lion being let out of a cage. It's a predator of the human soul. Anger eats up love. I'm going to tell you right now, you will not have proper cadence. You will not have proper pace if you have too much anger. Anger is a beast. But before we think too much about anger, we'll come back around to that. I want us to get a good view of love. Look at the text with me. And notice how James starts this section, which is very familiar. Notice as you go through James chapter 1, just let your eyes scan verses 1 and following. And notice how many times James uses the word brother. Now, I've told you that that word brother in the Greek can mean brothers and sisters. It's just a general term. But that idea of familial ties, that, that, that idea of a brotherhood or a sisterhood, James will not let that go. And notice he says specifically here, beloved brothers. Now that, that echoes back to last week too, verse 16. Remember that's how it started. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now look here in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. I want you to realize that, that partially we have an imperative. Now when I think about love, I'm going to tell you right now, commands don't really work well in a loving relationship when you're always commanding someone. But notice that James goes into the imperative. His, he says, know this. He wants us to know this, but also he wants us to realize that it's to all the church. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person. So just in case you thought that you get a free pass on this message, that you're in the church and you're not called to reflect the love of Christ, no way, Jose, here it is. You are part of every person. As a brother or sister in Christ, you have the mandate to be full of love. It's what binds us together. A few weeks ago, I quoted St. Augustine, and he said, We are cemented with the same blood of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, they say blood is thicker than water, but when you're baptized in the baptistry here, when you're a part of the kingdom of God, that water binds us like cement the blood of Christ, yes, but the waters of baptism as we come into the church and we're a part of the fellowship, the love of Christ fills us and we need that love. The church must fight hard to love well. I want you to realize that love is not an easy thing. It's not a natural thing in a fallen world. The problem, I think, begins with the fact that too many of us love our opinions too much to love others. Now, in the world today, uh, let me just say this, everybody's had strong opinions in every age. It's just human nature. But it seems like today that those opinions today that are out there in the world, people want those opinions to be immediately received as facts. And you are entitled to your own opinion. This much is true. But I think what we tend to do is value what we think too much and that's what leads us to talk too much. Notice what we are told here. We are told to be quick to hear, but slow to speak. That ought to tell you right there 
that the problem begins when I speak too quickly. Now I'm going to quote Thomas Manton, a preacher from many hundreds of years ago, several times in the sermon because his commentary on this passage is so good. He said, I must listen so that my soul might live. I must listen so that my soul might live. Listen, if your soul is feeling a little dead and slow and dark, it's probably because you're talking too much. You're too worried about people knowing your opinion instead of allowing the word of God to flow through you. God speaks loudest through humble people. Humble people got that way by listening to God. Let me give you just a couple quick examples from the scriptures. Ancient Israel was told in Deuteronomy 6.3, Hear, O Israel. It didn't say, start talking, old Israel. It says, hear, old Israel. Now notice Jesus says, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. That's Matthew 11.15 and several other places. Jesus is saying, if you've got those ears, why don't you tune in? And then also, the heavenly father said... Of his son Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, 5. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, I want to just say this as an aside. So many times, even in our prayer lives, we're spending so much time trying even to talk to God. Our minds and our hearts are so filled with words that we don't even have time to listen to what he might be saying to us. We can't have a very good conversation over over dinner if we're doing all the talking. So why do you think that you're going to have a good conversation with God when you're doing all the talking? Where's that place to listen? I just want to tell you that the mature Christian um, is, is one who can lead well by saying, not listen to me, but, but I think the mature Christian points us to listen to the holy word of God. Listen to the Lord, not just to me. As a preacher, I feel like I'm talking all the time, but I don't want you to hear my words as much as I want you to hear the word of God. Because no pastor or, or theological professor has better truth or bigger blessings for your life than what the holy word of God has to say to you. Many of the trials that we have in life, remember chapter 1, verses 2 through 18, talks so much about trials. It's because we get in a hurry, we talk too much, and we don't listen. It's like, hurry up and listen is our mantra. But it should, our hurry up and listen should be our mantra. But what we do is we try to hurry up and talk. Be slow to speak. And that'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. And those who are slow to speak will have more friends, I think. Listen to this. You may be winning all of your arguments, but losing all of your friends. And if you're losing friends, you're losing those witnessing opportunities. The very best opportunities we're going to have to share Jesus are going to be opportunities that we have after building a relationship. Too many times on social media and in other platforms, we're trying to win arguments. And friends, let me just say this. The number one goal is to win souls, not arguments. The control of the tongue is a biblical mandate and we cannot dismiss it with impunity. Proverbs 10, Proverbs 15, Proverbs 17, all of those chapters have words to say about controlling the tongue. There are times when we need to uh, correct people, yes. I mean, 
Priscilla and Aquila pulled Apollos aside in Acts 18, and we are told, explain the way of God more accurately. But I think there was a friendship and a relationship there where they could gently correct. I think we need to make sure that our love is permeating us, that we have the look of love, because if we don't have a look of love, we will have mouths that repel hearts instead of drawing them in. One of uh, the, the, the individuals, the professors uh, that uh, I knew in my doctoral work, Dan Doriani, he says this. He says, it takes strength to hold the tongue. But I think it's important to say that you don't have that strength in and of yourself. You need the help of God. Let me just have you turn over a page to James 3, 8. Notice what it says. But no human being can tame the tongue. Well, there's the answer. You don't have the strength. You need the strength of God. You need the strength of God because your anger is something that can totally grip you. Um, In fact, the word anger here in our text in verse verse 19 is is a word that means literally deep-seated anger. The kind of anger that is down deep inside. Now let me just give you a quick warning here. Righteous anger is possible. Or being righteous in your anger is possible. But it is very rare. It is a very difficult thing for a human being to be genuinely angry and genuinely righteous at the same time. Remember what I said about anger being like a lion not easily tamed? Sometimes we may begin with a righteous concern, but once we are angry, it's like it's hard to put that, that lion back in the cage. Let me just warn you, I know there are issues today in our culture that, that we should be upset about, that we need to push back against and even fight against, um, at least rhetorically, um, at saying where we stand and standing for biblical principles. But just keep in mind, the minute you get angry is the moment you're going to lose your witness. If anger that is, is unrighteous creeps in for even a moment, we, we have a, a, the potential of really hurting our witness. Listen, we are often getting angry with people because we are, again, too enamored with our own opinions. We get worked up because we've made idols of our opinions. Let me just throw this out. When your opinion becomes an idol, you are likely to use it to bash in your brother's or sister's head. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about an idol, okay? If you have like a golden idol in your hand, think about that. We often use our idols kind of like as, as a hammer, to try to hit other people. When our opinions have become too too strong and too self-centered, we're not using those opinions to win people to Christ. We're actually beating people up with them. Spiritual weapons are never supposed to be used in your own cause. It's not about winning arguments. It's not about uh, being right all the time. It is about loving people well, telling them the truth in love. Let me just ask you this. Are your words and actions winning souls or repelling them? Do, do you find that you, you feel like you're posting that on Facebook and you feel like that you're saying that what, things that are true and right, but are you noticing that friends just keep going away more and more and more? And you take it as a badge of honor. Oh, I must have hit a nerve. I must be saying something right. Well, let me tell you, as a preacher, if that was my standard of success, then I'd kill a church pretty quick. I can get up here and say a lot of things that are technically right, but if I have not love, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a gong sounding, it's a, it's, a, it's a symbol clashing, it's something chaotic. There's a way to tell the truth in love. And I want to tell you, you can't be a big talker and a good listener. You can't be all about talking 
and not listening. The goal is not only to be right, but look at verse 20. It is to be righteous. Not just right, but righteous. So church, listen to me. In this world that is lacking so much love, the world needs to hear your voice, but they need to hear your voice saying things that are true and told in love. We can't be angry. We can't allow frustration to creep in. I'm telling you, we can't be angry and righteous most of the time at the same time. And the pettiness of our anger is killing the Christian witness in the world today. Here's something to write down. Angry people make room for Satan and no room for the Holy Spirit. If you are consistently angry, if you have anger management problems, let me just put it to you in spiritual terms. When you are angry, the moment you lose control, what you've done is you've opened a part of your heart for Satan to take up residence. And where Satan takes up residence, there is no room for the Holy Spirit. Now that ought to grieve you, Christian brother or sister. That ought to get in your heart right now. We cannot allow anger to to infiltrate us. It's Ephesians 4.30 that says to not let the, the sun set on our anger. And if we Uh, go uh, to bed angry, we wake up malicious, Thomas Manton says. I think that's pretty true. If we go to bed angry, we're going to wake up malicious. It's really hard to have a good night's sleep and then just pick up and be all refreshed when anger is what you fed on, even in your dreams. I want you to think about this for just a moment. I want you to think about this, not just in our witnessing, maybe, or our, our online presence on social media, but since it is Valentine's Day, let me just throw this out. When you think about your relationship with your spouse or with your children, would you rather win an argument with them or would you rather be a better listener? I have to tell you, there have been many times in my life where I really just wanted to win. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm competitive and, and an argument's just like a sporting event sometimes. I, I want to win that. I don't want to lose an argument. That, you know, that's not my way. I want to win. But when you have that attitude... Uh, you're not listening. Have you ever just listened to someone only in as much as you were, you just, all you were thinking about what, is what you were going to say next? That is not, I think, what James is talking about here in verse 19. We have chronic problems with listening. I just want us to think about this for, for just a moment. There, there isn't room for us to be wrapped up in ourselves, brothers and sisters. I've shared this with you before. It's been said by many people. Benjamin Franklin, I think, was the first person to, to say something like this. But he said, the smallest package in the world is a person wrapped up in themselves. And, and the person wrapped up in themselves, they're wrapped up in their own words. I want to say to you, listen well. Now, a quick little aside. Not everybody is an extrovert. Not everybody is a big talker. There are some of you in the audience today that really do, you know, you're more of an introvert. Um, people have to almost drag words out of you. Let me just say, if that's your, your, your way, that's a blessing in so many ways. But let me just also challenge you. It is not okay to be silent because sometimes to be most loving introvert, you have to speak the truth in love. Don't feel like that you always have to give in to silence because if you are a more silent person, many times your voice is the one that needs to be heard the most. If people are used to hearing Pastor Jeremy speak, 
uh, that's one thing. But when they hear a voice that they're not used to hearing and they hear them speaking truth, they are able to change hearts drastically. If you are an introvert, I believe this message is just as much for you. It's not just a warning to extroverts and big talkers. It's a warning to us all that our lives are growing in love day after day after day. So what is the only way to live? Verse 21 gives us the only way to live. We've talked about the look of love, and now let's finish up for a few minutes here talking about the only way to live. There's only one way to live if you are filled with the love of Christ, and that is His way. The Word of God gives us all that we need to live lives that are edifying, to the culture around us and helpful to lead people to eternity. Notice verse 21. We have to put something away, and that is all filth, filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now, I want you just to look at that for a moment. There's two metaphors here. That's the first one. The first image is of taking off dirty clothes, soiled garments. So we need to understand that the world we live in and the choices we make often soil us in such a way that we need to remove those those soiled garments so that we can have a fresh start. But notice the metaphor continues. There's another metaphor. And it says um, that we can then receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So we have the idea of taking something off, which is the filth of sin. But what we have to do is something positive. We have to put in the word of God. So I want you to think of it in two ways. Friend, if you want to grow in love, you have to confess your sins. You have to take off the filthy garments of sin. You need to pull the weeds out of the garden of your heart. Now, I use both of those images because, again, if you plant the seed in, but you've left all the weeds, the real seed that you want to grow, the, the, the seed that will grow fruit or vegetables or, whatever, or flowers, something that you want to grow, it cannot grow if it's choked down by weeds. And I want to be just very, very direct with you. I think the reason why most churches aren't growing is because the church members, their hearts are choked with sinful weeds. I think one of the reasons why the church isn't growing is because we're trying to go out into that world and our garments are just as stained as anyone else's and the hypocrisy reeks. I love you too much to tell you otherwise, to, to soften this. But if we really want to grow in love, we have to get rid of sin. We have to take God's word seriously. We have to take rampant wickedness, this aberration from God's plan, this abnormality of sin. We have to remove those wicked things so that we can grow. I think many of you right now, even at home, if you were honest, if you were able to talk with me one on one, you would say, that you feel smothered by your sin. You feel like you're choking on your anger and frustration. My question for you is, are you ready to change? I don't know why we stay in bad places as long as we do when we have the word of God and the spirit of Christ that's always reaching out to us to rescue us. But I want to say this, if you feel like anger has not been managed, if you feel like love, the cadence of your love has not been right or it has been off, I want you to know that there is something you can do. We need to fall before the Lord. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to remember that the word of God saves us and sustains us. God's word is true. It is absolutely 100% the word of God. But many times we're not living as though it's sufficient for today. 
but it is. There is no way to compromise love and grow in Christ. You have to grow in Christ. You have to grow in love. Those two things must go together. Now, it's kind of funny that I'm going to say this into a virtually empty room today. There are only a handful of souls in here with me. But the heart is never right in worship until it is gripped by the awe of God. Thomas Manton said that as well. Now, you've heard me talk many times about the, the need and necessity for worship. I have ran into a few people this last week or so that I haven't seen in church for a long time. They haven't left our church. They just haven't been in worship and I want to tell you that, that the longer the enemy keeps us from worship, and even this, even the video, it's better than nothing. I, I'm glad we have that. I'm so thankful today and other days throughout the quarantine we've had this. But listen, it is so important for you to understand the importance of worship in your life. You are not going to grow in your love for God if you are not in worship, if you are not gripped by the awe of God. The only way to live is the way of love, and you must make sure that you are worshiping in that direction. Can others see Jesus in you? Is your salvation being worked out in fear and trembling? Philippians 2, 12. Are you looking more like Christ? You see, the look of love is what you need. It's not, it's not a side accessory. It is a necessity. A heart controlled by the word will have a mouth full of love. And I'm going to ask you right now to ask the Lord to change your heart, to take away your anger, and to fill your heart with his love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment, as we wrap up this time together, we are so very thankful that you have given us your love. And we ask right now that those who are at home, as they are thinking about Valentine's Day, and a Valentine's Day where it's going to be almost impossible to go out and have dinner or do the things we're used to doing. I just pray today, Lord, as we are bundled up in our homes, that you will use this, this cold day to be a day of reflection, where our hearts can consider who you are and what we need to do. Lord, I ask that, that you will help us to grow in love. Today, help us to be kind to our spouses, to our children, to, to those that we're interacting with online. Lord, put a check, a governor uh, on our hearts. And Lord, the second something comes out that, that is not loving, help us to ask for forgiveness. Help us to have the strength to change. No one can control the tongue in their own power. Lord, we must have your Holy Spirit doing that work. Will you do that work among the hearts and mouths of Ridgecrest Baptist Church? Will you grab our hearts and will you give us, God, the look of love? Thank you, Lord, that we have a word that is able to save our souls. And I ask right now if there's someone who is tuning in today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. They're lacking the most important love of all in the whole universe, that God, they will receive your word. Believing, Lord, that you died on the cross for their sins. You rose to new life. That, God, your gospel is true and the only truth worth living for and dying for. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for maybe even today saving a soul. And for the rest of us, God, help us to grow in our love more today 
more tomorrow and the next day until you call us home. Lord, we can't have an altar call, but in the altars of our homes, let us bow on bended knee right now, confessing sin, drawing near unto you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. And it's been a, a beautiful time together. And I think we're, we're going to just sing just a little bit here. Rich is going to close us out with, with, with a song together. And I pray that in this, in, in this uh, season of our church's life, it's been difficult. It's been very different. But what a great time to grow in love. Let's make that first step today. Let's make that step towards him. And may God give you something beautiful today, something deep in your heart. May the look of love grow strong in you. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.